Hey there. Welcome to Innovators in Education podcast where we showcase educators from all over the country who through their use of innovative technology have not only excelled in their schools and school districts but are making a real change in their communities. I'm Pat Bhava, your host and also the founder of Pick My Kid where we believe in empowering schools with cost-effective school safety solutions so they can focus on what really matters. Teaching and learning. Stick around till the end of the show and I will tell you how you too can be a guest on our show. So without much ado, let's dive right in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Innovators in Education podcast. Today we have with us an exciting guest who I've personally known for a few years now and I'm really humbled that he accepted our invite to share his wisdom with, with us here today. So without much ado, Dr. Chad Stevens, uh, Dr. Chad Stevens is uh, currently the Chief Strategy Officer at Parent Square, but more importantly, he's been an absolute trailblazer in K-12 uh, community nationwide, actually. And he's been a teacher, a principal, worn a different, lots of hats, and also a CTO of a school district before moving to the business side of education to really amplify his, you know, impact on the K-12 community. So not stealing his thunder, you know, turning the tables over to you know, Chad here. Uh, Chad, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. And, and one question, what is it about K-12 that made you dedicate your life to it? Awesome. Well, thanks, Pat. That was a very gracious introduction. I mean, you know, I think like a lot of people um, at a really young age, um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I was a third grade student, um, best friend in elementary in Texas. And I remember every time I finished my homework or my schoolwork, I would ask my teacher to go down to the kindergarten room um, to help with the kindergarten class, even though I was what, eight or nine years old. And I just knew that I wanted to do that. It was um, something about like the spark of um, seeing somebody learn something and, you know, kindergarten that age, you know, they're learning to read and they're like discovery. And it was just something that really fired me up. And so, um, yeah, it, it was pretty early on that I had that passion. And, and since I've moved into, you know, my move and a lot of people ask me like, well, you know, how did how did you get into private sector and how do you have all these other roles? And I always tell you, well, it just wasn't on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know uh, I, back in like 2010, I was approached and, and, and really had this kind of passion once I got into the technology world to like, you know, I felt like, Early on in, in educational technology, like the late late two late two thousand, like around two thousand seven eight, I just felt like schools weren't getting as much as they should, and they didn't have the same types of services from companies that the bigger companies had. Although they were doing the most important jobs, so somewhat naively, I went into it thinking, "Oh, well, I can change all that. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can help people use technology better in schools. And, and that's kind of how I, I got to where I am today, so. Yeah, no, no, uh, and for listeners who, who really don't have a, a idea uh, on the kind of stuff you've accomplished your journey, if you want to give a little bit of a 30,000 yeah, feet, yeah, so, like how you went from yeah. teacher to where you are today. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, but you know, I was, um, you know, I was an elementary school teacher um, in a very fast growth school district in Texas, uh, Clear Creek Independent School District, for those of you who are familiar with the area down there in NASA, we were growing about a thousand students a year. And so, um, you know, I went and enrolled and got my master's and really kind of had this long journey planned out. And because of how fast things were growing, 
there was just a lot of opportunity. So at a very young age, probably 26 or 27, I became an assistant principal. The district was moving really fast. I was an interim principal before I was 30. And um, it just put me on this kind of, what seemed like a really accelerated path. So then I went on to get my doctorate um, and in educational administration was really going down the path to be a school superintendent. I felt like I got a, a good young start at that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so phone rang and it, it phone rang one day and it was a friend of mine in human resources and uh, which is never a good call to get out of school. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I still remember he said, are you sitting down? And I'm like, why is HR calling me and asking me if yeah. I'm sitting down? And I was like, yeah, sure. What's up? You know, and he said, yeah, we've been interviewing for a role in technology in the district and and we've been really struggling to find somebody. And so we did some brainstorming and and we think you'd be great at it. It was a, at the time director of instructional technology, which now is typically director of educational technology. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be a superintendent. I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> so um, but like any other good, my superintendent talked me into it and um you know, a few months later, the, the chief technology officer called me into the office again. I'm like, well, what did it, what happened? Um, is who I reported to. And, and she said, my husband was transferred to Austin and um, the district's going to name you interim chief technology officer. And so from in a short period of time, from like May to August, I went from elementary principal to um, with about three years of experience to the CTO of the 25th largest school district in Texas. And wow. so at the time- That's a transformation 40, yeah 30, yeah so i didn't have much choice i kind of you know I, I think one of the best things about it was i didn't really have a lot of choice to worry about the history of technology in schools i only had time to react to the future of technology in schools and so we really you know when we started strategic planning a really we really started from the student backwards and that seems like a oh, duh, like everybody should do that, right? But at the time it wasn't. A lot of times it was like, this is the technology we can afford. So this is the technology you're gonna get. So, hey, teacher, yeah. go do that. Yeah. And we were like, well, let's go start with the student experience and work up the chain. And what will have to change, you know, up here with all the box, what I used to call the boxes and wires because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to make this happen. And we did that over a three-year period. And I think we, you know, we learned, we, we launched a virtual school. We did a lot of things that, you know, back then and in, in, in the late 2000s were pretty new. Yeah. And then um, Dell Computers called um, one day, um, said they were um, trying to build a team of K-12 consultants to go help transform schools. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, you know, I always looked at things like, well, when you're a teacher, you're like, you know, I love my kids, but you know, I want to expand my scope. So you become an administrator and people are like, why do you do that? And then you're an administrator and you go to district office. It's about expanding your scope. So to me, I was just like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I can go here and really impact things. And so, you know, next thing you know, I was on an airplane to Wisconsin. I worked from home and, and they were asking me about how to do what I did in Clear Creek. And I did that for a few years. Um, and then I ended up you know, kind of learning what I loved. And what I really loved was um, helping schools. What I didn't really love was the consulting part and the billable hours and the, you know, the- The big know, bad business side of things. Yeah, the big bad <laughs> business guy. And so yeah, I, I, CDWG at the time was, was, was that was 20, 2013, I guess, 20, 
I, I lose track of dates because it's been a it's been pretty yeah. fast paced. But at the time they were like, well, we want to get into this K-12 strategy. So I flew up to Chicago, um, did an interview, and I basically pitched to them, like, look, you guys do a great job with technology, but schools are struggling implementing one-to-one and Wi-Fi. And if it's wrong and done wrong, then school, then kids suffer. So yeah. why don't you let me build a team um, that does all that for free? And I think customers really love you guys and we can come become a thought leader. So we, so I go and I take that role and I do that. And then that led to Amazon Web Services where I, I led K-12 for five years. Um, again, my idea was, well, we've kind of figured, we've helped a lot of schools with the hardware stuff, but how can we help them do more with less? And how can we bring technology to schools that really aren't, that weren't attainable before in, in a physical data center? Like, yeah. you know, like, so we had schools around the country doing, you know, like really supercomputer type stuff in the cloud in, in rural Illinois that would have never got that, you know, if it wasn't for the cloud. And that was really powerful. And I did a lot with code.org and kind of expanded. And then just about a year and a half ago, um, quite honestly, just, you know, I think a lot of us during COVID probably did a lot of reflection. Um, I did. And just really decided I want to get back to my roots. And that's what led me to Parents Square, which is a place where it's super tangible, where I get to talk to superintendents and technology leaders and communication officers on a regular basis that are like actually, you know, impactfully, you know, touching students, which, okay. which is really cool. So that, that, that's about as fast as I can tell it. There's a lot of twists. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, I, I know yeah. for listeners who have caught those key, key points, they are, you transition <laughs> from being a ground level, you know, a teacher principal on the ground to really an accelerated, you know, a transition to a chief technology officer in the district from there to the to the to the to the, uh, to the business side of things, and then of course yeah. you went all the way up. And what you didn't mention was I'd like to mention to our viewers is that uh, or listeners, depending on the medium they are on, is that you were one of the first employees in AWS to build a K twelve division there, and and uh, and then before you left, it became a pretty huge self sustaining you know organization in itself. Uh, so that in itself is a huge achievement and. And, and, and I want uh, just briefly, you know, 20 seconds, if you want to really touch upon that, that, that piece itself. <laughs> well, you know, I think, yeah, so that on the cloud side, yes. Um, you know, one of the, the early, if not first K-12 folks on the, on the kind of building cloud and, and selling that to schools. I mean, it was a great experience. I mean, my, my theory of that was, um, you know, we, we were very successful at CDWG. Um, when, when I was approached and, and talked to Amazon, you know, my thought, I approached it as a learner. I thought, well, if I can't, if this fails after six months or a year, I'm still going to learn a ton. I'm going to learn from such a great company that that's, that's really valued. You know, I was fortunate that I was there five years. Um, and, and, and a lot of the stuff we did do, you know, sustained is a fast moving type of environment, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really fun to bring some of those principles to a company, you know, parent square size that that's on the, on the really, I wouldn't say on the verge of growth because we're growing really fast, but, you know, to help it scale. And so there's a lot of value in that. that I think is really cool. So yeah, awesome. it's, been, awesome. it's been fun. Absolutely. So let me, let me take you back to the time when you were, you know, uh, when you were a principal and a teacher on the ground level, and then you flip hats and went on the other side as a, as a CTO in a district, right? 
I want to bring you back to those days and, and I want you to uh, think about how, um, so that gave you a unique viewpoint in, in, in actually seeing technology adoption at schools from a really two distinct viewpoints. You know, right. the technologists wear a different hat in the districts and the teachers and principals have a different experience of the same technology in a different viewpoint. So where I want to go with this question is that what can you share with the listeners that are like key learnings from your experience while evaluating and adopting new technology in schools um, in, in these okay. two different viewpoints, right? So how do you help each other? How does it support each other? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. It's about viewpoints, right? So I think a lot of times what happens across the board, whether it's business talking to a school about a product or um, a CTO in a school talking to a principal or a principal um, talking to an educational technology person in a school, it's about your viewpoint. And so one of the great things that I brought into that was that I could pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, um, principal, I've sat in your chair and I know you want to move this lab, um, you know, two days before school starts, but, and I know why you do, because I have your viewpoint, because you're trying to get your master schedule straight, but guess what? That's going to cost $50,000 and we, and that, that's as much as it costs for a teacher and we can't do that. Yeah. And so having that viewpoint of, uh, you know, allows you to have empathy. And I think that's, that's really important. So like, you know, when I try to attack a problem, um, you know, whether it's a business problem or back in the school, it was really about, um, you know, having empathy to, to that, to that viewpoint. Right. So, you know, one of the things I can remember vividly was, um, and this is really going to date me, but, um, <laughs> but to give you a sense of what we were dealing with back then, you know, like filters were a big deal. And we would have, um, you know, we would have a teacher like this is back when like YouTube, it was like forbidden, like you, you blocked YouTube, you blocked these things. Yeah. And I kind of came into a world where it was denial by default. Oh. And, and I get it right because security is a big deal. I'm not dismissing security, but we really had to retrain the tech team when we took that student view to, to really say, okay, look, there's inherent risk with just being in technology in a school. Because for a teacher to do their job, they have to be creative and creativity doesn't always fit into a box for technology. And so we had to make a lot of, we had to do some unorthodox things, you know, even to the point where, you know, if, if I had a, a, a server engineer that was upset about, you know, unblocking a certain site or something, you know, sometimes I'd call a meeting and be like, hey, this is the librarian that you're blocking. This is the server engineer. You both have a viewpoint. Let's just talk about it as a, adults yeah. and figure it out. But just know that if it's 50-50, we're going toward the kid's side of learning. Yeah. And because we're a school. Yeah. Now, if we're a business, yeah. Like if, if you and I, if we're like, guess what? We're having two-factor authentication across the company. We're going to do those like, or whatever. We're going to say it because... Yeah. It's, it's a different world and, and people can adapt, but sometimes schools, schools are a little different. So to me, it's about viewpoint, empathy, it, you know, almost in all walks of life. You know, I, I think when somebody's like, why does, why does that, why does that coach do this? Well, yeah. if you take their viewpoint and their history 
you probably would figure it out pretty quick why they're why they're doing it a certain way. So that's why. Yeah, I'm no, doing. no, that's. I think you brought up another point. Uh, that, very well said, uh, Chad, in that aspect. But you, you brought up a valid point. You know, denial is not a solution. And I was talking to another superintendent, Tom Burton, a couple of uh, episodes ago. He is superintendent of Princeton. City. Listen to that. Yeah. Uh, and and amazing <laughs> conversation. And and he mentioned this right. Uh, and it was fully of the same same mindset. It is student first. Uh, so we have to meet them in their own terms. So denial of devices used to be a solution 10 years ago or maybe five years ago. But now you got to have you know tools and techniques in you which you accept the students with their devices right. as a whole. And then you put you put uh, you know good practices in place. And he brought up one takeaway which which I thought was great. like they have these red zones and green zones when phones are okay. Yeah, I listened to that. Okay. That was a good idea. Uh, so, so uh, just this ties into what you said: empathy and meeting the kids where they are, and and keeping kids at the center of whatever our decision making process is, right? Right. And, yeah, and we used to tackle that I, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and I used to say like, you know, there's a lot at the very beginning of like when technology went into schools, there was a lot of, um, you know. Um, there was a lot of unknowns, right? And I used to always tell people like, there's a virtual element for every physical infraction that would happen in the school. There's there's a virtual equivalent, but the difference was was, um, you know, if if uh, you know, like if somebody broke into a school, mm -hmm. nobody called the typically called the operations person and said, "Well, you got terrible locks. It's it's all your fault." But if a kid hacked into a server. They would call the technology person and say, no, that's technology's fault. And I was just like, well, wait a minute. Like, why? Like, there's a behavior here, which is you don't hack into stuff. You yeah. don't break into building, you know? And so, like, it's about, <laughs> it, it's really the same, yeah. right? We kids have always had the same, the, the medium's changed, but there's always been this element of, of teaching somebody about how to get something done. So, yeah. or, or do the right no, thing. I, I know I, I've read in your uh, you know, preparing for the thing I read in your notes that you actually pioneered the concept of setting up a virtual school long before I think it was a norm or what was a requirement. Um, so uh, and, and now looking back post COVID, uh, when you're looking back at that, you know, I'm sure there are some very interesting learnings and th you know thoughts you must we may have. You want to share yeah. something? That? Well, I mean, back then. Um... Yeah, that was like 2007 ish. So there was there was definitely some, but um, yeah, we had we did a Gates Foundation grant and set up an online school. And um, you know, I guess the the big takeaway now is, or the big takeaway was really just for me, having been in a physical building, is you know, there's a lot of different ways to educate a student, right? And so I think we we kind of revisited that during COVID. You know, I, my kids personally they're they're much better their grades are much better in school but there was a lot of kids that's grades were much better and they're more focused at home yeah. and i think um you know the learning is is that everybody learns different and just like there's people like you know us that have virtual companies that thrive in a virtual world and there's people that want to go down to the train station where i live and get on train and go to chicago every day and go to office <laughs> that's what they're yeah. comfortable with yeah. And so um, I think that was a learning for us. And, and, and back then, it's a long time ago, but, you know, we had multiple sites, right? We had early college high schools. We had virtual schools. We had, you know, alternative schools that were, you know, not for kids that were in trouble, but for that needed a smaller environment. Yeah. 
and then you have your big comprehensive high schools. And I think, I think the more of that we can do, the better. So that's yeah. that's kind oh, of awesome. Um, so you've been around technology almost all your life, and specifically education technology, right? Um, it's fair to say you've been around the block. So uh, the question <laughs> is, uh, you know, can you think of any interesting anecdote or interesting, you know, story wherein uh, you you're passionate about solving a problem and you effectively use technology to or recommended or pioneered or you know put it as a uh, and, and then it, it you really saw the results and you know which you could sit back now and say yes that was a that was an awesome experience for us and for the students and then end of the day there was impact which was generated because of that yeah i mean and there's a lot i mean there's probably a lot of stories um i'll try to stay off of the the school ones are a little bit um they're a little dated so I'll okay. as long as there's a learning for the listeners you know <laughs> we want to we want to you know go away yeah, with, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I think back to a couple things i mean I, I think if you like when i've you know when i first got into like educational technology and, and like helping schools implement technology like like the like the big problem really was everybody thought it would be great if everybody had a device right this like there was this one-to-one -one craze and if you read reports now you know that's still not the case it's 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 actually not as much as you would think although there's there's a ton of schools that have it but the the problem was is that nobody know knew how to do that right and nobody had the capacity um, to do all those things so you know we had to come up with with ways to uh, make that easier to make it easier to manage to make it more cost effective and um you know I, th I think one of the really you know game changers i don't think this is like hey captain obvious like captain obvious commercials was you know back in 2013 um you know when when chromebooks came on the scene and i think you know at the time uh, the listeners might find this interesting um, you know, I was with CDW and, and we were going back and forth out to Mountain View where Google's headquarters are. And, um, you know, there was a lot of question marks about whether or not that made sense mm -hmm. um, or that this company that quite frankly, not nobody thought of them as, as you know, making a device or doing anything in school. Right. The, yeah. the, the Google education team was really like a handful of people with an idea. It was really cool. We go out there and I'd talk to them and I'd come back to Chicago is where I live now and be like, Hey, I, I think these people are onto something, but when, you know, I don't want to go too far down this, that, that Google path, but what they were onto was they had looked at the problem differently. Like when you, so in my school district, you had 20,000 computers. So about one for every, uh, you know, two kids or whatever, but that, that was a lot to manage for the team. And what they really did was say, how can we make management of this easier? How do we make access easier? How do we make it cost less? And they've kind of taken it from that perspective, mm -hmm. which really became a game changer. And, you know, we were, we, I, mean, I believe we were the first company to actually sell a, a Chromebook very early on, yeah. which ended up being a really cool thing. But probably the bigger part of it to me, um, as I watched like this kind of new thing come on and was part of it was, professional development right so you know i used to tell people all the time like um you know pencils are important in schools but we don't have conferences about how to use a pencil um i think um papert used to use that quote i forget the exact quote but the, the point being is is like yeah. 
unless you teach people how to use the pencil or teach people how to use the computer, yeah. and, and more importantly, not just turn on the computer, but actually teach effectively the way you're supposed to, um, it doesn't matter. It's all going to fail. You could have every kid have the most expensive thing or, or, or whatever. And, and I would tell you that some of the best teachers I've had in my life could teach circles around somebody with a green chalkboard and a piece of chalk than somebody that had a supercomputer because they were good at teaching. And so unless you could, you know, a lot of times technology always to me is about the people and the processes that we know the technology works. If I pick up my, my phone, it works most of the time, um, it, you know, really well, but how much I use it the right way and, and how I use it for good, that, that has to be taught in the process. So that's the way I look at it. I mean, there's a lot of little stories, but kind of on the, on the higher level, that that's what I feel like is important. Yeah. Like, I think, why are I we think doing this? Yeah, no, I think you hit the, you know, the, 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 the nail on the head here. Like I, I have the saying, you know, when you, when you compare technologies and when you evaluate technologies, it's like at the end of the day, if you're putting in more work to get a technology to do what it's supposed <laughs> yeah, exactly. to do, then you're doing something wrong. Either you're doing it wrong, you're not learned it right, or the product is wrong. Yeah. But if the product actively takes work off your table, then there is synergy, then right. there is, you know, uh, effect, impact, and, and it's, it's ROI is going to be there eventually, right? So whether it's taking work or it's giving you more work, that's a right. simple and way to look at, you know. Yeah. That's what really drew me to you guys. And I know, I mean, I know this podcast is not about pick my kid, but at the end of the day at Parent Square, we really believe that, you know, you know, communicating with your school should be just as easy as going down to Starbucks and getting a cup of coffee. I mean, it should be that, it should be that smooth, that elegant, that clean. And um, it shouldn't really be an afterthought. And, and you know, just like you guys took um, something that quite frankly was a pain point for just about everybody that ever tried to get a thousand, I had a thousand kids in my elementary school, get them out of school, <laughs> dismissal, right? Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I remember my second born, uh, my wife called while I was in the middle of dismissal and I, and I was like, well, almost was like, well, let me finish dismissal and then I'll, and then I'll come up to the hospital. I mean, that's how crazy dismissal <laughs> was, right? So like making that better is good. And so, yeah, it, it really has to, yeah. you know, you have to know why you're doing stuff and, yeah. and kind of the, the vision for it. it's really important. So. Yeah. No, uh, awesome. I have one, one specific thing, you know, when you were in CDW, you, you created something called a K-12 connected heat map. Uh, that's, that was very interesting. You want to, you know, throw some light and uh, I'm sure some learners. Can oh, man. Yeah. That's I mean, the, the vision, there. right? That's you go in blank and then you're like, Hey, this can happen. And then you made it happen. Right. Uh, you want to give yeah. some background and how it came about quickly? And well, the background was is similar to the story I told before. Like what was happening was um, everybody was putting in and buying a bunch of computers and there was really limited connectivity. And so, um, you know, people were basically saying, well, this computer thing, this one-to-one -one computer thing, it's, it's a dumb idea. It's not working. Yeah. Um, and, and the reality was, is we were just trying to sh like shine a light you know, um, on, no, these schools aren't connected even. And so the federal E-rate program did an amazing job. It's a, it's a great program. Um, you know, the, the, the first chapter of that E-rate was really getting, you know, fiber to the campus. But the second part was lighting up all the, all the internal connections, which we saw as a big gap. And so, um, 
obviously we, we, we were able to help with that. My team would go in and, and help, uh, you know, get schools set up, but the, that was the reason for it. We just wanted to shine a light on, no, like, you know, a, a lot of times principals, superintendents, CTOs needed help and, 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 and they still do, you know, I'm on the board of COSIN and, you know, until everybody's connected, a lot of this stuff's irrelevant to everybody until you can kind of get to it. So that, that was the reason for it. Yeah, no, that was an interesting, you know, project for listeners who don't know, you know, you can go to Chad's bio and on LinkedIn, read about it, or maybe ping him later and uh, he'll be gracious yeah, enough to share to find. <laughs> more details. Uh, but uh, I know there are a lot of things you've accomplished a lot, Chad, but I know there's lots in store. There's more, so much more left in you for the K-12 to benefit <laughs> from. Uh, so, so the question which most of the listeners want to listen, want, want to also hear is, what are your hopes and aspirations for the future? And, and what do you consider as success personally as you go navigate this, uh, you know, in this oh, stage? Um, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about solving this kind of idea of getting equitable, equitable communications out of schools, right? And, you know, it was, it was very intentional um, that, I, that I came to Parent Square. Um, I, I had known the company for a while, but, um, I was lucky to be in the position to go, okay, I want to join a company that is on a, on a mission that I can get behind. And so, you know, I think, I think over the years, kind of what has happened is there's a lot of disparate systems that communicate with parents. Right. And, and, and they all do, you know, the job, right. But the question is, is should, should a parent, and I'm a parent, I've one in college now, which is kind of crazy to say, and a sophomore, it shouldn't be hard. It should not be hard. They should be able to go to one spot. But more importantly, it should be personalized. And so the quest that I'm really on right this minute is, is you know, how do we really create a true parent relationship management system where we, because parents are a huge part of the equation. And, and, and if we're ever going to kind of move the needle for education, to me, this is a piece that just needs more focus. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, we try to concentrate on, you know, the communication aspect. But, you know, to me, that's, that's something that we're driving toward. And so I would say over the next couple of years, um, you know, we, we really don't want to copy what's been done before. Um, we know there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's really... Um, similar to previous stories I've told, I'm, I spend most of my day thinking of how do we like jump those two steps and go to a, something that's like, whoa, I've never even thought of that. Yeah. And, you know, what I found over my, over time is a lot of the technologies that are part of your everyday life, um, whether it's social media or, you know, like I said, going to buy a coffee or, you know, going to the grocery store or whatever, haven't found, for the most part, haven't found their way into educational technology. They just, they just haven't, you know, um, you know, I, I joke around, I always say like, you know, pick my kids like the Chick-fil-A of, of, of parent pickup or whatever. Like yeah. there's certain companies that have like figured out a way to do something better. Yeah. That's where we want to go is not how do you communicate with parents, but how do you, how do you, how do you individualize that experience? How do, how do, how do you help parents get more engaged in their child's education? 
and things like that. So at least in the near term, um, you know, I think that's my goal. And the other thing that I'm really curious about is, you know, um, there's the, the, you know, since I've moved from customer that buys this stuff to somebody that kind of helps people build this stuff to somebody that is building the ed tech stuff is how to do it right. Right. The, the, the landscape is littered with companies that bought other companies that, that grew, 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 grew. And then everybody's like, Oh, you know, they're not doing it that good anymore. They don't have great customer service. Um, you know, we have about a 97, 98% customer retention rate. So how do you grow from, you know, to, you know, now serving almost 14% of students in the United States and keep that level of customer retention. Um, that's a, that's a fascinating case study for me uh, as a chief strategy officer of how do you do that? And I think the way you do it is you can, you really can't ever lose sight of your culture. So each, you know, we have core values at, at parent square and, and, and I spend more time on the culture side of when we, you know, when we bring on a new employee, how can we get them to think like our founders, you know, a new and, and, and so hit thought at the beginning, which was we're a parent and we want to make it better. <laughs> if we get everybody else to think like yeah. that, yeah. we can really scale. So yeah, that's really been, yeah. I guess, probably my, you know, yeah. the, the next few steps for me are just to see if we can pull that off. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. You know, we love what you guys do at Parent Square. We, you know, we'll always be cheering on the sidelines, but amazing. Thanks for that insight. Um, and, and, and I know you mentioned this, uh, you know, even at our day job, we always uh, think that, you know, we spend more time and money and, and, and technology in, in, in safeguarding milk and eggs in a grocery store than what we used to ensure safety of children at schools, right? It's, right. Uh, it's not even comparable. And so, so how do we bring that level of technology into schools yeah. in a small fashion to impact change uh, in a very meaningful manner? And, and I, I kind of empathize with you in your day job and what we do here, uh, yeah. it kind of things. Um, so um, again, uh, how can, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening here will be like, oh man, Chad sounds like a cool guy I want to connect with and I want to learn more. Maybe I have a, I'm in a difficult situation. I want to throw a problem at you. Is there any way to stay in touch with you? Uh, what is the preferred yeah. communication? Sure, I mean, I mean, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is, is Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'm at K12CTO, which was the handle I got when I first became a CTO. Um, um, still can't believe I have that handle, but it's really easy. Marquee, <laughs> so that's, marquee you know, <laughs> handle. And, and it's, uh, it's also have the domain stuff. name, but um, I bought that pretty quick after I got that handle. But yeah, if you reach out there, I mean, I'm always on social media. I typically answer DMs um, if somebody has a question. The other place, um, obviously, if you want to learn more about Parent Square is, you know, parentsquare.com. Um, there's a lot of information out there. Um, yeah, I'm not, um, unfortunately or unfortunately, I'm not hard to find online. Um, and I love to mentor. Um, I, you know, I can't take everybody, but I think there's probably a lot of people in my network that would tell you that, hey, they just reached out on LinkedIn or Twitter. And, you know, uh, I believe in paying it forward. It's really helped me in my career. So, um try to help as many people as I can. It's kind of the, the, the educator spirit, but um, Thanks, as, as, we've, as we've grown, it's gotten a little crazier to keep up with all that, but I still think it's really, really important. So I, I try my best to, to stay on top of it. Thanks. And I think I can vouch for that chat as well. I've picked your brain several times and I've learned <laughs> thing or two every time I chat with you. So it's been amazing. Your, 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 you know, uh, purpose of giving back has always, you know, stood out. 
So thank you so much for what you do. And uh, again, uh, we in K-12 are better off for leaders like yourself and your spirit to give back to the community. So for listeners out there who want to reach out to Chad and want to hear more from him, please follow him, share, link, subscribe uh, to his uh, uh, social media feeds, You know, uh, like our episode so we can get you more episodes like this and we can get more awesome leaders like Chad in front of you and we can pick their brains. We all can learn and become wiser in the end of the day. And that's the whole initiative. That's the whole you know, aim with which we started this podcast. So Chad, you really embodied and personified the kind of guests we wanted to have here who've not only awesome. been there and done that, you, you've actually accomplished a lot. And you know, the spirit of giving back from the, to the community which you came up from, uh, it, that's, that's the crux of it, right? And that's what our listeners want to, you know, really appreciate and follow and cheer you along. So thank you again for your time. Yeah, any you. parting thoughts, any parting words, uh, quickly, 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I just appreciate the time. Um, I think there should be, like we talked about, there should be more, more things like this. I think sharing is, is a great way to, to learn. And, um, you know, um, I've been, been really blessed in the different things that I've done and, uh, been a lot of people to help, help get me there. So, um, so I really appreciate it and appreciate the time and, and good luck with the, with your podcast. This is a great idea. Thank you. Thank you, Chad, again. And that's Dr. Chad Stevens, who's uh, Chief uh, uh, Strategy Officer at Parent Square. And uh, thank you for your time and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation offline. For sure. Thank you all for listening to Innovators in Education podcast. If you like the podcast and you want to be on the show, please reach out to us through the website. We'd love to hear from you. If you know anybody who else would be a good guest, please tag them on social media. Let them know about us. I always love reading your posts and suggestions, so please keep them coming. And if you've got any takeaways from today's episode, please go ahead and share it on your social media channels because it means a lot to me and my team as we put a lot of work into it. We're putting out regular content like this every week, so please go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss out on any other content. And if you want to know more about what we do, go ahead and uh, go to our website, pickmaker.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. See you next time.